What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett Hirschberg, here with Jordan Burns. And while we were on spring break, Nevada had an incredible run in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't all fun and games for the Wolfpack as they were eliminated in the Sweet 16, and it was such a heartbreak. Yeah, it was definitely a heartbreaking game. I mean, losing by one point to a game that it should have gone a completely different way, but... You know, I think that Nevada basketball played their heart out in the postseason. They were riddled with injuries, and the fact that they made it this far with the with the wounded wolves, I mean, I, I can be more proud of them. I kind of like that. I kind of like that name, the wounded wolves. It, it's kind of fitting for how this season went. Um, other than the men's basketball team, women's basketball had a great run uh, in the postseason, but were eventually knocked out in the semifinals of the WB, WBI. And baseball and softball uh, tore it up this weekend. But with that being said, let's jump straight into men's basketball and let's start with the round of 64 game against the 10th seed Texas. Now, Nevada was able to win 87 to 83 in overtime. Were you nervous at all during this game? Oh, I was nervous the entire game. Um, it came to, that, This fir- first game was definitely like a nail-biter end of your seat, like... You never know, know what's gonna happen next. I mean, when Caleb hit or Cody hit that uh, that final three to tie it up and send us into overtime. I mean, there was no like words to describe the emotion. I, I was speechless. I was nervous. I was sitting in the airport, ready to leave um, in Reno, and the entire airport was sitting around one little TV. We're all watching this game, going through overtime, and I mean, the whole time was just nerve wracking and so much energy. Uh, I, I'm just happy that Nevada was able to pull it out towards the end with a four-point lead um, and send us into the next round against Cincinnati. See, I thought they were going to win by three. Miguel picked two, and you pre- predicted them to lose. I did predict them to lose. That is correct. Uh, but I was definitely nervous when Jordan Caroline was going to the line, missed the first one to that essentially tied the, tied the game. He missed the first but then made the second. Like, I was so nervous. I thought he was going to miss both, and that would that would have been the season. But Nevada was were comeback kings in this game as they trailed by 10 in the second half. Five Wolfpack players did score in double figures. Kendall led the, ga- led the game with 22, Caleb at 18, Cody 15, Jordan 14, and Josh Hall 15 points. Josh Hall has made an, is making a name for himself in these NCAA tournaments. He's had really good games. And I, I feel like that's really good to see out of not one of your main players, but a key role player stepping up when the when the lights are on. I'm definitely one of those like big Josh Hall fans. I think that he's really underappreciated on this Nevada roster. I think that um, in the next coming years that he could find himself in a starting role. Um, and especially he, he's been super clutch, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about Cincinnati. But uh, – Josh Hall kind of like keeps his team together. He, he comes he comes with a lot of poise. He's not as physical as the rest of them, but he can make the clutch shots. He's in the right place at the right time, and he's just one of those players that you want on the court at all times. He's a very – honestly, his best attribute on the game is his defending. He's a really good on-ball defender. And we saw that not only in this game, but in the, te- in the Cincinnati game. Uh, but in overtime, Nevada could not miss a shot, especially Caleb. Caleb went super sane as he went three for three from, from beyond the arc. 
I think this is just a testimonial to Nevada just being able to get to overtime and finding their second life and listen to what uh, Caleb had to say about that. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, with a team like us, it, I mean, it felt like kind of like the Texas Tech game. You know, you know, we knew we were going to be in trouble if we got in, in overtime at their place, and I feel like that's exactly how it was for this game, but vice versa for us. And um, Jordan had some big free throws at the end, and, you know, he had one of those that was huge for us. And uh, we got in overtime, like you said, it just gave us more life. So, you know, it's just like it's a whole other game, five-minute game. Now, a key, a key part of the game was Mo Bamba fouling out. Because with that, with that, like Nevada was not able to answer his height. Yeah, we talked about this game being a, a physical game, and I, that definitely came to be an issue with both sides. I mean, we had we had to pull players early in the game too, just to try to like keep everyone out of foul trouble. You didn't want to get anyone out. But when Mo Bamba got up, that's when Nevada was finally able to be competitive and break that ten point deficit. Yeah, you were then because I remember in overtime, Jordan Caroline had a big time dunk because they didn't have to worry about the presence of Mo Bamba. Seven foot with a seven nine wingspan, just blocking shots. Yeah, and it's so hard for our players to defend. I mean, no one over the side, no one over six, six foot seven. It's impossible for us to defend or or um, shoot on someone who's seven feet tall without fouling or um, getting blocked at this point. Yeah. So when when Mo Bamba went out, it really leveled the playing field. Mm -hmm. uh, funny after the game, uh, TBS. Ha had the mics on in the locker room. Did you see this? I did see this, yeah. Coach Musk dropped five F-bombs. Uh, it was super excited. And uh, <laughs> his first line of the opening press conference was apologizing. Yeah, and I think that... But there's no, you can't control that emotion. No. Like trailing by 10 against a Texas team that's a very physical team and being able to come back in the second half, like you got to let the emotions fly. And I think uh, you probably should have known Muss, but you know what Muss is what Muss is capable of saying. Yeah, I mean Muss is a, definitely a very emotional guy when it comes to basketball. Uh, winning Mountain West championships, he rins, he rips his shirt off. Like he he's got no filter when it comes to things like that. I think that the emotion and the f bombs were justified. I mean, this is think about it in Muss's career. This is. This is that was the highest point mm -hmm. up until then. Getting that first turn. Last, last year he was crushed when they lost in the first round, you know, and now it's he he got past that first hump and then they were they were actually competing in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and with that win they moved on to the round of 32 where they faced the Cincinnati Bearcats, and by God, I was nervous. I was super nervous. Uh, Nevada won 75-73. This was the second largest comeback in NCAA history. Nevada was down 22 points with about 12 minutes left in the second half. Uh, the largest comeback in NCAA tournament history coming in 2012 when BYU was down by 25 and came back to beat Iona. But I, I was nervous. I mean, even, I was sweating. Even going into this game, I mean, we would talk, Gary and I were talking about Okay, what is it going to take for Nevada to win this game? We were just kind of doing our little rundown um, before the game, and it's Cincinnati's a big physical team. And not only that, they're one of the best on-ball defensive teams. And yeah. we saw that in the first half. Like, Nevada was so bad. Yeah, I mean, they were getting they were getting beat up on. I mean, they had to get used to, to the pace and the athleticism of Cincinnati. Um, but once they kind of figured it out, Musk got a feel for it. They were able to come back in the second half. It took them a little bit of time in the second half to kind of get that scheme right, but mm -hmm. 12 minutes left, and they were on fire, man. 
They could not be stopped. And Nevada only led in this game for 9.2 seconds. And our guy, Josh Hall, made that final floater. And uh, honestly, I thought Nevada was just lucky enough to come down with that offensive rebound on that final possession. I feel like Caleb didn't take the shot he wanted, but Josh Hall was able to grab the rebound. Cody Martin led the game in scoring, grabbing, uh, scoring 25 points while also grabbing seven rebounds. Good to see him stepping up while his brother uh, sort of struggled from the field. Definitely, like, we started to see the, the regression of Nevada in this game. I mean, they came out in the last 12 minutes, but you could overall you could see that they're getting tired. The injuries are, were starting to affect them. Players weren't playing to their full potential. This, this totally had feels from uh, the San Diego State game in the Mountain West Tournament. Yeah. Uh, but another incredible stat was Nevada only had two turnovers against one of the top defensive teams in the country. And that's without their starting point guard, who went without Lindsey. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Nevada does really, really well is hold on to the ball and make smart decisions. They they can play the, they can play the court, they can pass the ball around really well, and they can keep it concise and um, thought and like thorough and thought out. And you're not going to see them overthrowing the ball. You're not going to see them getting stolen quite often, like. The turnover percentage for Nevada is on point. Yeah, in this game, Cincinnati jumped out to a huge lead uh, led by Jared Cumberland, and I thought I thought this was going to be like the Texas game. I thought, like, I thought it was going to be over. I thought the season was over after this game. We were just going to get blown out, but it just shows you the tenacity from the, in the grit. Yeah, can we talk about that last like, what was it? The last like thirty seconds of this game was. Yeah, there was. You, you were looking at, like, what kind of strategy did Musk have to draw up in order to to get those points that he needed? I mean, I was sitting there, and I'm like, there's only, like, a point, you, like, 5% chance that you're actually going to be able to pull mm-hmm. this off. Yeah. And they did. I think at one point, uh, ESPN does, like, uh, projected to win. I think Cincinnati was, I think, 98. I think that was what they got. And... It's just amazing to see Nevada be on, like, history. Like, we had that big comeback against New Mexico last year, now this year. Uh, And listen to what Coach Musk had to say on how his team was able to come back. We just didn't quit, you know. And, and, um, you know, again, we, you know, we made a decision to to start trapping and to leave somebody. and we felt like, you know, it was just a barrage at the beginning. You know, like they just hit us so hard with three balls. And, um, you know, that's kind of uncharacteristic of us. I mean, we and we, we said in, at halftime and, you know, like San Diego State, we got down and we, we didn't we didn't have enough fight in us. And we lost, uh, you know, a game that 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 will sting us for for a long time. And, and uh, again, to play Cincinnati and have two turnovers is incredible. Now, and I like how you said, like, this was a historic season. I mean, looking at it overall as a whole, this whole season has been mm-hmm. historic. I mean, this is the, the, only the second time we've ever gotten this far. Two back-to-back Mountain West uh, regular season champions. Uh, being, able, uh, being ranked in the top uh, 25 seven times, including the last five weeks of the season. And this historic comeback win. I mean, what more could, could Musk really ask? Yeah, and uh, after the game, uh, they showed Musk in uh, in the locker room. It's just that the mics were cut off, which oh. I, I thought was funny. Yeah, no, that was definitely a smart move by CBS. Um, 
listen to what Coach Must said on how the atmosphere of the locker room was after the game. That locker room right now, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's, it's, it's the happiest I've ever seen. It's the happiest I've ever been in my life. I couldn't be more proud of a team and every single player in there. It's, it's, I mean, this feeling's never going away the rest of any of our lives. But with that being said, Nevada left the city of Nashville 2-0, heading to Atlanta for the Sweet 16, where it, they did not have as much success as in Nashville. Yeah, uh, this was an interesting one going into it. I mean, you had little no, Mariah as our spokesperson mm -hmm. all over the media, and then they had Sister Jean. I still hate Sister Jean. The hand of God, man. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm going to have to start going to church after this. <laughs> I. There's no way. I cannot believe that Loyola is still in the running. Yeah, no, um, but Nevada actually got a really interesting draw with how the tournament shaked uh, uh, the fell. As you saw, the one seed, two seed, three seed, and four seed all went down as it was uh, Virginia losing the first round, Arizona in the first round, Cincinnati, uh, Tennessee to Loyola Chicago, and, of course, Cincinnati to, to Nevada. But we had a seventh versus 11 seed, uh, Nevada versus Loyola Chicago, Nevada, well, obviously, we're still here talking about this, so we're not on our way to San Antonio. Yeah, we said if they got to the Final Four, we'd be in San Antonio. Uh, so Nevada fell 69 to 68. This was the second time Nevada ever made the Sweet 16. First time, the last time being in 2004. Um, I felt some voodoo-type aura going on this whole day. Oh, no, and that is exactly what happened during this game. Yeah, Sister Jean was praying up a storm out there. I mean... God was definitely in the building for that like, game. Like, and it was also weird. Nevada got out to a very hot start. It, it was something we, haven't, we didn't see in the first two games. Yeah, no, that was the first game that Nevada actually came out on top. And honestly, I was sitting there, and I, I thought that was actually – I was like, wow, this is actually really cool. And then I thought about it. That's bad luck. Yeah. Because uh, we – We need to we get spent, back to our comeback ways. Yeah, our, we do so much better in the second half. But this game, it was reversed, and – we faltered later on. But then the voodoo starts. Uh, then the voodoo happened. Kendall going 0 of 8 from 3. Uh, Loyola went, started the second half 11 of 11. And that 3, which was the dagger. Like, yeah. I don't get how he makes... He's not, like... He's not that great of a shooter. Like, he was a 40%... He was, he was a 30% shooter from the field during the season. I don't get how you make a off-balance 3 moving to your left. Wait, who's this? That made the this? guy, the guy for Loyola, which put him up four. Oh yeah, I mean, Loyola had some incredible shots. I mean, there's a video on on uh, YouTube by uh, March Madness that just shows how many threes that Loyola made in this game, and some of them are just incredible. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I couldn't like, you you wouldn't even see Steph Curry being able to make shots like this. Yeah, and also the fact that Nevada, if they were just able to make one more shot, uh. It would have been over. Kendall, Kendall went 0 of 8, which is so uncharacteristic uncharacter of yeah, him. He's our, he's our three-point king, and, I mean, I, I'm sure Kendall's taking, feeling this one uh, pretty hard. I mean, being so consistent throughout the season and then when it counts, going 0 and 8. And I think um, his, his girlfriend actually mentioned something in a class of mine yesterday talking about Kendall and um, – how, how he was feeling after the game and he was feeling pretty crushed apparently but it came it all came down to the injuries he has a, he has a thumb injury mm -hmm. he has a thumb be... injury Caleb's got that foot injury Jordan Carolina has broken fingers 
Yeah, everyone's going in for some R and R and some tune ups. I think some people are going in for a little surgery and they just need to to heal up after this season. But so yeah, in this game, Caleb Martin had twenty one points, three blocks, two steals. George Caroline had nineteen points, six boards, and one attempted murder. <laughs> like he, he, that dunk was uh, that was about to be so vicious if he was a, if he was able to connect. Oh yeah, I mean if he actually like made that basket, it would have been the the roof would have blown off that place. Now you hate to see the season end with a bit of controversy, and if you don't know what we're talking about, there was a missed travel call when uh, Nevada was down one after the Cable Martin three. They inbounded it. Jordan Caroline tackled the dude, but the, before the tackle happened, uh, the dude walked, which would have given the ball to Nevada, like with I think one point four seconds left. So you just hate to see, like... It's so hard. The unknown is so hard, but, I mean, I think it's... Looking it's, back... It's, it's even harder to dwell on missed calls, though. Mm-hmm. Like, part of what makes sports sports is everyone that has their specific role, and the referees do ha- do hold a lot of power in this game, and if they miss a call, then that's part of the game, and that's kind of, like, what goes down in history. Yeah, and looking at the season as a whole, they went 29-8, and 15-3 and three in conference. The 29 wins are tied for a uh, school record for most wins in a season. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, Mariah Musselman was a star during this NCAA tournament. Like, I remember watching her interview her dad on like the CBS post uh, pregame show. Yeah, she got a lot of airtime. And, I mean, her, her future dream is to be a sports reporter like her mom and – I definitely see this looking really good on a college resume one day. Yeah, uh, and Nevada was definitely put, put itself on the map with this, with the, as you call it, the comeback kings. Uh, looking, looking at some postseason and future uh, stuff ahead. Caleb Martin was an, an honorable mention for the AP All American team, and now this is rare company for Nevada. He joined uh, Mike Gray in 1979, who is a uh, honorable mention. Kirk Snyder in 04, honorable mention. In 05, Nick Fazekas was an honorable mention, but then in 2006, he was a third-team All-American. 2007, second-team All-American. In 2010, Luke Babbitt was an honorable mention, and in 2012, Deontay Burden was also an honorable mention. So it's good to see Caleb Martin getting this praise, national praise. Yeah, it's definitely hard to get up there in, in uh, especially first if you're team. Con- yeah, especially you're competing against so many, like, so many, even just making the all-honorable all honor- all team is, like, yeah, I mean, you're competing against uh, recruiting power like Duke and Villanova, and, you know, it's it's mm-hmm. almost impossible to think that someone coming into Nevada as a transfer or a or even, like, a recruit, which we're not going to – we usually don't get more than a three-star recruit out here. Being named on one of these lists is, um, insp- for one, inspiring, but two, impressive. I think Nevada is going to sh- uh, looking looking at ahead uh, at next season. I know it's a bit early; the season just ended, but Nevada will lose three players, as we mentioned, at least three players: the seniors, Hallis, Kendall, and Elijah. Hopefully, all the juniors and sophomores come back. Yeah, I, I think I think if they do, Nevada could have a really special team. Uh, Chris Murray did like a mock like lineup, and it would be if everyone's healthy: Lindsey, Caleb, Josh, Cody, and Jordan would be the starters. And off the bench, you had Jazz, Jazz Johnson, Nisre Zuzwa, Corey Henson, Treshawn Thurman, and K.J. Himes. Four of those guys on the bench sat out this year because of transfers, and K.J. Himes is a freshman. 
But one thing Nevada does have next year is height. And that's something we haven't seen in the first three years of the Musselman era. I think I think this definitely will be big for Nevada because they have height and depth. So when you talk about height, can, can you elaborate on that? Like who's, who's Trisha, bringing this height? Uh, well, you got um, KJ Himes, who's a six nine freshman, who's going to be a six nine freshman. He's already a verbal commit. Uh, Trishon Trishon Thurman, uh, Thurman's a tall. So you, you just add like like rather you're than adding running height to the to the bench. I mean, what what does Jazz Johnson look like? He's short, uh, five ten. He's only five ten. Yeah. Wow, he'll point guard, huh? Yeah, and so if Lindsey's not healthy, I think he'll get the starting role. But one thing that w- that's yet to be proven is we lo- we lose uh, Kendall's three-point shooting. Who s- he set the record for most uh, most threes made in a season for a Mountain West record with beating Jimmer for debt. Uh, but one player still left on the board is Jordan Brown, a five-star recruit out of Roseville. He is a 6'10 center. And I feel like he would ultimately would make the team really well, especially if you give him that starting role. You move Jordan Caroline back to his natural position of power forward, and then, like, you can run the Martins and a point guard and move Josh Hall back to the bench. So I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see where Jordan Brown goes. Please come to Nevada. We need you. Yeah. Put Nevada on that recruiting map. But yeah, the sad thing is, like, I really want to see a five-star recruit commit to Nevada and come here, especially someone who's six foot ten, you can play that that almost like that Cam Oliver position. I think Cam needed. Oliver was a four or three star recruit. Yeah, but we need someone with that same kind of like yeah. in the paint ability, you know, the the size and the physicality. And but the sad thing is I'd really want to see Josh Hall have his start. You know, I think mm-hmm. that he's definitely proven himself. He just doesn't have the physical ability and doesn't really fit in with with a scheme that uh, Coach Moss is trying to run. It sure will be an interesting next 10 months until, or eight, eight, nine months until Nevada basketball starts again. But with that being said, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some women's basketball. Audio Jungle. We are back from break, and we are here to talk about the incredible run that the women's basketball team made in the postseason play. Now, last time last time we were on air, we talked about the first-round matchup uh, in the WBI um, against UC Irvine. They did win that game 70-60. to Tej Zeller had a monster game going for 17 points and 14 rebounds. Timo led the team with 18 points. And... This was just an ugly game for Nevada as they uh, they did not they were they turned the ball over twenty seven times. That's not very good. No, that's not good at all. I mean, the fact that they still came out on top though is impressive. I mean, they always say that there's three things that you think about uh, when it comes to to sports and are two main things, I guess, turnovers and penalties. And if you're going to give the ball away that many times, you're lucky to come come out with a win. Yeah, I was there, and it was I was there at this game. Uh, there was no one there. There were I think less than five. There might have been like 300 people there in the in the crowd, 
Because it was the Thursday before spring break. Nevada played, obviously, that Friday. That would have been a sad-looking Lawler. I mean, 11,000 people stadium with only 300 people. Yeah, it it was sad. There there were absolutely – there were zero people in the student section. Zero. I mean, that's what happens when you have a home game during midterms, though. Yeah, and I also feel like it's – because it's the WBI, it wasn't well advertised. And women's basketball doesn't really do well attendance-wise. No, and they don't they don't advertise it well enough. I mean, Coach Muss is out there, uh, I, yeah, handing I remember, out flyers. The players are out there talking to people. But the women's basketball team, they're very quiet on campus. You you remember the last semester in the fall, Coach Muss did a video for every single sport, encouraging people to go to said sport. Mm-hmm. No, Coach Muss tries his best to include everyone in the glory of um, of playing sports, Neva- but like. These other teams just aren't necessarily organized enough, like the men's basketball team, and don't have the time or the 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 want to 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 try and get people to come out. Like I'm sure not everyone had. It was a Thursday night game. I'm sure you could have got an easy three thousand people. It's just that it's hard to entice people to go to women's basketball games. Yeah, I mean it's hard for people to want to pay money for something like that. But know? even then, students get in free. Like, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to do on a Thursday night. I mean, I would have been there if I didn't have um, another shoot for a project that I'm working on. But uh, I, I feel like I kind of missed out on the game. It seemed like a, a good one. I mean, they came out on top, but even despite the penalties, they must have been doing something well. Yeah, and let's move on to the second game of said tournament where they traveled to Fresno State and they came out with a W 86-74. Now, this is a weird game because – it's weird to, uh, for Nevada to face a Mountain West foe in in a postseason tournament, and like it, it was just weird to see. Oh yeah, who's next? Fresno State. I'm like, we played them. We already have enough footage on them. We played them twice throughout the year. Yeah, it'd be like playing San Diego State. It'd be like playing any basketball team. Yeah, it would have been like playing Mount, any Mountain West team, like in like the NCAA tournament. Like you rarely see these um, same conferences play each other. But in this game, Timo did drop uh, 34 points, including hit, include, including hitting six threes. Now, this was something me and Miguel talked about a lot, how Nevada really struggled from three, and Timo went six of eight, which was fantastic. Tay Zeller had 13 points and seven rebounds, and the Pack did a very good job limiting turnovers this game, only having 15, which, which only, is better only than— Only 15. Only 15, which is better than 27. That's true. I mean, I don't know what it is about, like, the ball handling for for the women's basketball team, but uh, they really need to be taking a pointer from the men's team about keeping the ball on your side, <laughs> you know, and not turning it over. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't there. I don't know what kind of turnovers they were getting. I don't know the type of um, atmosphere and what Fresno State was like in that game, but I can imagine a lot of these were, were mistakes being made. You're right, and it, it does, it seems like, basing it off what I've seen with women's, it's a lot of, like, sloppy plays. Like, uh, you you try to make a pass to someone, and they're just not there. The ball goes out of bounds. And so it's it's turnovers of that nature. It's not like they get called for travels Mm -hmm. or double dribbles. Uh, But in this game, Nevada did a very good job of getting the free points they they earned. Uh, They shot 21 to 25 from the free throw line. And that's something that's very good. You like to see in basketball. You like to see hit those opportunities to get free points. You know, that's definitely, I mean, 21 of 25 is, is great. And that just, again, those are just extra points. I mean, 21 free points in a game is definitely going to be a, 
it's going to change it. And I mean, they they ended up winning by twelve in a game. So I think those free points uh, definitely paid off. Now looking at the uh, with that win, they now move to the semifinals of the WBI, and they traveled to Central Arkansas, where their run ended. And they lost 65 to 56. Uh, Tej Zeller led the team with 17 points and also recorded a game high, eight rebounds. Timo dropped 10 points. But a, a key thing from this game was it seems like the offense couldn't get going. And that happens. I mean, I think that towards like the end of uh, postseason, especially because it's so quick, you get tired and it's super hard to keep the consistency up. And it, I think what happened to the women's team is exactly what happened to the men's team. You know, things just, the momentum just wasn't there anymore. You, you were hurting, you were tired, you know, the travel time to go to Arkansas. There's a lot of factors that went into this game that I think kind of took over. Um, three, yeah. Three games in like a week. Yeah. Three games, especially in a week. with travel, traveling to Arkansas, you know, it, it's hard. Even right? traveling to Fresno. Yeah. A lot of time traveling, a lot of t- not a lot of time being able to practice, not a lot of time being able to rest properly. You know, you're sitting on a bus or a plane. You're not going to get the proper rest that you need to recover. Um, I definitely think that all th- all those were huge factors in uh, their postseason ending. Now, this was a very successful season for uh, first year head coach Amanda Levins as sh- her team won 19 and 17, going 7 11 in conference. Those 19 wins are a school uh, school record for most wins in a women's coach for a season. Uh, I only expect things to go up from here. But Nevada does lose a lot of key members from this team. Tej Zeller, Timo, uh, those are just two of your biggest offensive players. Just to name a few, they had like six seniors graduating. But now we actually get to see the Amanda Levins recruiter. Yeah, exactly. And I think that it's Amanda Levins is going to end up being the coach must of women's basketball. I think that she's going to have give her the time to build the team that she wants. Yeah, rack up the awards, get the accolades that she needs so that transfers want to come here, just like what Coach Must Or did. even let's just try to go – I don't know how often people transfer in women's basketball, but try to just get recruits, try to build up like the way she wants to play because um, this team was pretty much made up of players from the old regime. Mm-hmm. And so now it's nice to have Timo and Tage Zeller, but it's not necessarily – she might come into camp this year – wanting to play a very different style of basketball. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to what Amanda Levins draws up and who she wants to recruit. And I think that women's basketball's future is very bright under her. Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm just excited to see where things go. Yeah, and it was incredible to see Nevada have so much success down the stretch. They went to the uh, finals of the Mountain West tournament, losing to bo- losing just on the brink of getting a berth in the NCAA tournament, getting losing by a buzzer beater to Boise State. Then they come out here and make it to the semifinals of the WBI. I think there's a lot of momentum for this team looking moving into next season. I couldn't agree with you more. I think that uh, depending on next year might end up being a building year. I mean, with so many p- players leaving, but um, come – couple years down the road this team could be a force to be reckoned with to my knowledge we don't have to play number one UConn next season 
Yeah, that one was rough. That but was you look at the game. competition that she played. She it was it was a competitive sort of competitive game against UConn. They played a couple of tough teams. Boise State made the tournament, as we know. Uh, UNLV uh, women's basketball is very good. So it, it was not not an easy schedule for Amanda Levins. And especially looking at last year, the team only won 11 games to winning 19 this one this this year. It's incredible. It definitely is incredible. Uh, but with that being said, let's take another quick break and we'll jump into baseball. from break and thank you for listening to pack center on itunes soundcloud or wolfpack radio whichever platform you chose which whichever platform you are choosing on this great day whenever you listen to it whether it's wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday monday or tuesday we don't know when you we don't give we don't have preferences on when you listen to it we don't discriminate by time or date yeah uh but with that being said let's uh jump into baseball and last time we spoke, uh, Nevada had a three game had a series against UC Riverside, which was around the seventeenth of March. Uh, but two of the games got snowed out. That was uh, the weekend before spring break. Uh, really bad weather in Reno. I'm sure Jordan can attest to that while I was home in LA. <laughs> Why did you bring it up, man? Those those were cold, cold days. Uh, but in, in since they only played two games, game one, uh, they won 3 nothing. Grant Fennell drove in two of the runs, and Joshua's, freshman Joshua Zamora hit uh, Homer to give Nevada its third run. Uh, freshman sensation Jake Jackson picked up his fourth win of the season, pitching eight stellar innings, and Jackson struck out 10, 10 batters while only allowing four hits. In game two of the series, they lost 9-2. to two. Uh, Caleb Foster drove in one of the runs with his first career home run, and ace Mark Nowazeski struggled as he only went five and two-thirds inning, allowing six earned runs. Moving on, uh, on March 20th, they had a solo game against University of San Francisco at USF, where they won six to three. Daniel Perry went two for three with an RBI. Ty Huckman, or Huckman picked up his first win of the season, and Keon uh, Kabinen picked up his second save of the season. Moving on to this, this past weekend, uh, they had a three-game series against Mountain West rival almost, uh, Fresno State. Nevada really struggled against Fresno State in baseball, uh, where they they took two out of three from the Bulldogs. In game one, they won 5-1, to one, where Mike Echevilla, who I actually had class with last semester, fun, fun, fun fact, uh, he drove went three for four on the day with two RBIs, including a double. Ace Mark Nowazeski responded nicely to his last outing, uh, picking up his third win of the season, going seven and a third, striking out three. As a team, Nevada struck offensively. As a team, Nevada struck out ten times. That's not very good. No, that's not good at all. I mean, if you're getting beat up by a pit, like by a pitcher like that, there's something wrong. And yet, yeah, Nevada isn't one of those teams that we've seen strike out like double-digit times like before. So I think do better. That's, that's, that's our advice. That's multiple innings worth of outs. The the pack center advice: just do better. Don't strike out. Hit the ball. Make contact. Yeah, put the ball in play, and we'll be good. 
in the second game of the series, Nevada lost uh, five to four. Fresno State scored two runs in the bottom of the seventh to eventually win the game. Dylan Shrum had a bases-clearing double to give Nevada the lead uh, in the top of the fifth. And Mike Echevia struggled this game, uh, going 0-5 with four strikeouts. If you listen to Jordan, you got to hit the ball. You got to hit the ball, man. It's the name of the game. You got the stick, and the other guy's got the ball. You got to hit the ball with the stick. (laughs) Maybe they should put you out there as, like, the uh, hitting coach. I mean, I would make a great hitting coach. You see the ball? Hit it! I <laughs> am uh, yeah, moving on to the third game of the series. Uh, we beat Fresno State 18-12. to And, yes, you heard that correctly. This is not a football score. Uh, it was 18-12, to very high scoring. Nevada was able to score nine runs in the top of the first. See, they that- took my advice. I hit the ball. <laughs> Yeah, they're right. Uh, maybe you should just give them the uh, old uh, pregame speech every single game. You uh, think you can do that? I, I think I could call up some players and be like, "Yo, hit the ball." Just hit That's the ball. So you'll get eighteen. You'll go eighteen and twelve. Perfect. <laughs> I don't think eighteen and twelve is gonna happen every single game. But looking at this game and looking at the rundown on how on how it happened. So they started. Um, they started the game with a double, gr- then a ground out. Runner advanced to third. Echevia singled, scored the run. Um, Fennel singled, uh, hit by pitch, and it just seemed. It, it honestly seemed like in this game, uh, they were just playing small ball. You know what that is? Small ball, not when it comes to baseball. Uh, small ball is when you nece- not necessarily hit home, like hit home runs, but you you get singles, doubles, and move people over. With bunts, it's like it's a lot of the uh, money ball tactics. Gotcha. Getting yeah. on base. Yeah, loading the box and the slamming fact, one down home. But the fact that they scored nine runs in the in the first inning and then they scored six runs in the third, Fresno State had no answer for this red hot offense. Other than twelve points. Twelve runs. Twelve runs. Yeah. But even then, they weren't able to win in twelve runs. Normally. So I'm just wondering. So. It, there had to be something wrong on both defenses. Pitching, here. pitching was just not a key. Pitching was not a, th- a thing this game. Yeah, they were just throwing it down the middle, I guess, and allowing them to hit like good ones. How many home runs were there? Yeah, no, Nevada didn't even hit a home run. No home runs that game. The Nevada had 18, uh, 18 hits that game, and Fresno State had eighteen hits. So no, so no pitch. Not very good pitching this game. Not good pitching at all. Uh, moving on. Um, so Nevada now sits with a record of twelve and eight on the season, seven and two in conference, and that seven and two record is good for first place in the Mountain West. Does that su- surprise you? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the pack is now a half game above San Diego State and a full game above. Uh, Nevada Southern, which brings up a very, very big series against Nevada Southern this weekend uh, because it's number one versus number three in the conference. Uh, Nevada Southern is very good at baseball this year. They're ranked, they were, they're ranked in the top 30 in the nation this year. Do you think we can beat them? No. Why? Because we can't hit the ball. <laughs> we hit the ball against Fresno State. But we didn't hit the ball against anyone else. Okay. 
Is that your strategy for baseball for the rest of the year? I mean, if you can hit the ball, you can do a lot in baseball. That's that's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is a huge series for, Nev- for Nevada. Uh, games are on Thursday at 6 p.m., Friday at 6 p.m., Saturday at 1 p.m. I will be there on Thursday. Are you going to be there? I'm going to try to be there. If, 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 you, if you follow the Instagram and the Twitter page and you see some really clean photos, you know I was there. Wow. <laughs> Throwing shade at our other photographers. There's no other photographer <laughs> other than Colin, but he never shows up. <laughs> I hope you're not listening to this call. <laughs> I'm sure he isn't. <laughs> yeah. uh, but this is also a key, uh, key series for the Governor Series as we're trying to beat UNLV in yet another competition. We took the points in football. We took the points in basketball. We took the points in women's basketball. And now let's take the points in baseball. Yeah, let's take another postseason run with baseball. Poor guys have to stick around over summer <laughs> and play some real postseason games. School's out. They just want to go home. They just want to go home and rest, but they're out there making moves, and no one's there to actually watch them because we're all home. I think I think there's I think the series there should be a lot of people there, especially on Thursday night, uh, first game of the series, especially since it's a night game. If the weather holds up, I mean, it gets cold it's, here at night. Yeah, you know? but it's supposed to be sunny. This week, there's no snow, no rain. Garrett, I have, I have to explain you something about physics here. At night, <laughs> the sun goes away, so therefore it cannot be sunny. But it's Reno. You never know. I mean, you never know. I mean, the, the sun might turn into a moon. You don't even know. Like, weather here is extremely unpredictable. I mean, we have, like, three springs during winter and then, like, three winters during fall. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> It's just, it's no, I remember last year it snowed in August. Yeah, it's just a weird, weird place that we live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news, uh, ace Mark Nowazeski was named Mountain West Pitcher of the Week. Good job. Good job. Yay. But with that being said, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the final segment of today's show. here to talk about our final segment of the show which happens to be softball uh and they had an okay time um since since we last were on the airwaves uh they started off on march 16th losing to car at car sd four to three and that game went into the 10th inning nevada's only runs of the game only runs of the game uh came in the third inning and lauren uh gutierrez hit a solo home run um Julie, Ace Julia Jensen pitched the entire game, uh, striking out six, and it's such a heartbreaking way to lose, especially in extra innings. I agree. I mean, anytime you go to extra innings, it's like it's almost like a sudden death type thing, and you really want to like make sure that you come on top. I mean, it's pretty much anyone's game in the in um, when it goes into overtime. 
You're right, and the the, re- the loss puts our record to seven and seven on the season. Let's move on to the 17th of March, uh, where they were able to beat the Rams four to two. Nevada was down 2-0 and was able to make the small comeback. Erica Hansen went two for four on the day with an RBI double and a triple in this game. Friends of the program, Julia Jensen, threw a complete game and only allowing four hits while striking out four. Now, she pitched in back-to-back games. Not knowing anything about softball or listening to our show recently, is this impressive for you? I think, yeah, I mean, anytime I know, I know baseball, and I've done a little bit of softball when I was doing uh, broadcasting, and you need to be able to rest your arm. I mean, I, I find in softball, it's not as demanding as you'd find in baseball where, where you're going to have the pitchers sit out as much. Um, you're going to see pitchers in softball play um, back-to-back more often than you would in baseball. See, me and Miguel, we talked about this, about uh... – about which one has more strain on the arm? Looking at the motions, would you rather like count? Because for baseball, you come down from the top, rather than with softball, it's a wind-up motion. Well, baseball, you see a lot of them. They kind of it's almost it's not necessarily like a straight up and down. It it's almost down. At a, it's almost at a side though, and you get a yeah. you get a lot but of it's, the, it's that snapping motion of coming down like with the ball. And again, it's that snapping motion, yeah. and that puts a lot of stress on, on a shoulder. That's why you see a lot of players with like rotator cuff injuries and things like that. And you don't see that as much with softball because it's a, it's a softer. But it is there is still sort of a snap motion like when you release the ball, but but it's a soft. It's a more natural snap motion. Okay. Something that's coming. Think about like when you lift your arm up. It's a little bit more natural than if you're throwing your arm down and at a, at a weird angle a lot of the time. Um, yeah, we need we need to get our kinesiology. Kinesiology expert Miguel back in here for this for this question. I'm the expert when it comes to shoulders because I've broken mine so many times. So you I can broke tell your you, shoulder. I've, well, I've torn it multiple times. I've had multiple shoulder surgeries before. So, uh, yeah, good, I mean, good job. Thank you, thank you. I'm, I'm, that's what led me to being uh, a sports uh, reporter. So I think that um, in some way or another that it's been a blessing. So let's jump back into the series. Uh, Nevada was in the third game of the series, uh, also on the 17th, so it was the second game of a doubleheader. Uh, Nevada lost uh, 2-0. Carlos State won the game on a walk-off home run from Amber Nelson. Such a sad sight to see because it was 0-0 heading into the bottom of the 7th and Amber Nelson just ending the game for the Rams. Sedarian McAllister had two of the five hits for Nevada. And Callie Sargent uh, pitched the entire game, striking out three while only walking one. So so there's another heartbreaking loss, second heartbreaking loss of the series for Nevada. You never want to see your team lose on a walk-off. It's, it's it's almost demoralizing, would you say? I'd say so. I mean, losing in that fashion, it it only it means that you almost like gave up, you know, that you weren't playing your hardest all I, the way to the end. I don't know. I wouldn't say Nevada gave up. They were tied 0-0 in the bottom of the seventh. Runner got on, and a pitch might have slipped away and went, went, off, went over the fence. Uh, the loss now puts Cali Sargent's record to three and six on the season. Moving on to the following weekend, they hosted New Mexico. 
uh, on the 24th of March, where they were able to win 16-8. to Nevada scored eight runs in the sixth to end the game via mercy rule, which is weird when the game they play seven innings. Yeah, I mean, so I've seen many of softball games go to mercy rule because one team is But the just... game end, the game ended in the sixth inning. Nevada literally only needed to get three more outs in the top of the seventh, and the game would have been over. It's just part of the rules. I mean, if you get the, if you get to that number, fa- whoever gets the number faster, you know. Yeah, and um, Erica Hansen went three for four on the day, driving in four runs, including a home run. Aaliyah Gibson, Jennifer Purcell, and Alyssa Mendez also hit uh, home runs on the game. Amanda Gallo picked up her second win of the season. Moving on, there was a doubleheader that day, and Nevada Nevada did lose seven to six. Tough loss for Nevada. Lauren Gutierrez uh, went three for four on the day with two RBIs, including an RBI triple. Erica Hansen also hit another home run. Kelly Sargent went three innings, allowing six runs, and that and, re- and recorded the loss in that in that game. Uh, her record is now three and seven on the season. Not having the greatest of seasons Cal- for Kelly. No, but there's still a lot more time to to make up for it. I mean. At this point in the season, you're just kind of like learning and getting used to things and getting back in the swing of being competitive. Uh, come the next couple of weeks, I think you'll see Nevada kind of solidify their starting role. They've so- already played 29 games this season. So I think the learning process is over and they got to start winning. Like they have yet to put together like a serious like winning streak other than earlier in the year. Like I think you got to. It to sh- to prove whether or not you're a, a competitive team this year, you got to start winning, especially these Mountain West games. But with that being said, the final game of the weekend was on the 25th of March, where they killed, they absolutely killed New Mexico, 21 to seven. And, and like basketball, this is this was not a football score, not football. Um, Looks like a football score. I mean, it does. Evenly divided by seven. Ooh. 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 That's how you know it's football. <laughs> um, Nevada Nevada rattled off 13 runs in the third inning and eight in the fourth inning. They they took your they listened to this this podcast early and they listened to your men's advice and they hit the ball. They ta- they rattled off 18 hits in that game. I'm very proud of of these girls for, for taking my advice and hitting the ball and getting those 21 points or 21 runs, which is impressive. It's a lot of times to run around a baseball diamond or a softball diamond. <laughs> I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Erica Hansen went three for four, driving in four runs while also uh, scoring three runs, including hitting a two-run home run. So she hit three home runs, three games this series, three home runs. Very impressive. Sidari McAllister, Kenzie Goins, Alyssa Mendez, and Lauren Gutierrez also hit four home runs on the day. Also hit home runs on the season. Julia Jensen, ace Julia Jensen, went four and two-thirds innings, striking out four, and she picked up her ninth win of the season. Very impressive for her in comparison to the season Cowie's having. 
But with that being said, Nevada is 14 and 15 on the season, three and three in conference, currently in sixth place uh, in the Mountain West. They have a they they have a three game series um, coming up where they travel to uh, Logan, Utah to face the Aggies of Utah State. Uh, Utah State is seventh place in the Mountain West, and those games are at 2 p.m. on. Thursday, 2 p.m. Friday, and 11 a.m. on Saturday. But with that being said, we are out of time. And uh, it's the end of the show. Jordan, any final words? Um, Just I'm glad to be back on the show. Um, I'm glad to be filling in for uh, Big Mac, uh, Miguel McNamara. He's he's been doing a great job filling in for me at the beginning of the year. Um, And, you know, it's... It's like being back with an old friend, and, I, and I'm happy to be here. And thanks for inviting me back onto the show. Um, you know, we almost didn't let you back after your Texas take. I, man, I know you guys are really bummed with me about that. But I mean, look, you can you can imagine that, like looking at it from an outsider perspective, which is what I was trying to do. That you know, Texas did have the upper hand when it came to just pure stats and looking at the numbers. Um, but Nevada, I guess, had the heart that um, Texas didn't. So what projects are you working on next, or is that top secret? What projects I'm working on? Um, in general or just for Pack Center? No, let's go general. In general? Well, let's start with Pack Center. I mean, by, by the time this video – or by the time this uh, podcast is released, you'll also see another Pack Center video. Where, where can we, they find that? They can find that on Facebook. Um, you can find on YouTube. You can find links to it on our Instagram page, probably, and also on our Twitter. Um, it's kind of taking on uh, the same look and feel of Now This, which is another one of those um, internet things. Uh, it's text on screen videos, and it's just kind of recapping Nevada's historic season, and I think you guys will really like it. Um, other than that, I've been working on other documentaries for um, another one of my brands called Ranchi Reno. We're working. There's this local rapper named Fiki, and we're doing a story about him and his um, rise to internet fame, along with the challenges that come with uh, being from a small town, and also you know being in this new realm of digital music and having to find your way. Um, online and make your money that way instead of going the traditional route with playing shows and things like that. Um, other than that, I'm also working on another documentary that's going to be starting soon. Um, I don't want to make any promises about it yet because it's still in pre-production. But Is it a Pack Center documentary? Um, it could end up being a Pack Center documentary. There is a sports element to it, but I don't think it – looking at how it is now, I don't think it's going to fit the mold. You'll, find, you'll be able to find that one on um, – Reynolds Media Lab. So where where can they find this Fiki documentary? Um, you can find that um, on Wolfpack What. Um, you can find it maybe on our parent company, uh, our parent Wolfpack Radio, because it has that music element. I'll have to go talk to uh, the director, Brett, about that once production uh, goes, once we get into post-production. And then you'll probably also be able to find it on uh, Reynolds Media Lab as well. Any, f- any final social media plugs for yourself? Social media plugs for myself. Um, yeah, go check out at uh, Ronchi Reno on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Uh, you can follow my personal accounts on Instagram at feel underscore the underscore burns. 
uh, that's B-E-R-N-S. And then, I'm, and of course, like if you're listening to the show, you got to be following all the Pack Center pages, Twitter at Pack Center NV and Instagram at Pack Center Nevada. We've been really working on the, the Instagram page and kind of creating more graphics and making ourselves look more professional on our social media pages. So please go follow us on there. Give us likes, follows, uh, and hit us with DMs if you have any ideas of things that were that you like, things that we're doing wrong. You know, I'm always looking for good constructive criticism because I'm on doing all the visual aspects of Pack Center right now. Now we will be, as you mentioned, uh, the Twitter account. We will be live tweeting the baseball game Thursday, uh, maybe Friday, maybe Friday night, and maybe Saturday. But Thursday for sure, we will be out there tweeting it live from uh, Pacoli Park. But with that being said, you can follow myself on Twitter and Instagram at Garrett Stats. And one last thing before we go. Go Wolf Pack!